Welcome to the grand inaugural Slackcast with your hosts, Alex and Josh. The Slackcast is the only podcast that covers topics such as watches, adventure, travel, diving, driving, and orphan teeth. And Slackcast isn't. And squirting, yeah. Josh is the squirt king, as he just told me off mic. I have experienced it firsthand. That's good. I mean, did you like drown? Are you alive? This is going to get blue real quick, but like, yeah, it was just like going at it, and all of a sudden, like, why are my ankles wet? Was... <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not getting any better from here, folks. No. This Slackcast is intended as more of a Q&A structure to help our community members out of their collector dilemmas. We're a tactical team to help you make better decisions with your timepiece selection. We're talking to you, Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't call anyone out in this podcast at all, ever, Cassidy. No, never, no. Yeah. 40 yes, millimeters is not large for a men's watch. Maybe. Historically. Historically, yes. How are you, Alex? I've missed these. Yeah, we've been like in a like a black K hole for like several weeks, not being able to do anything either between uh, work stuff or like not being able to schedule it, or people randomly getting sick for no reason, and or um, me being far away from my recording setup, like thirty miles away late at night, so I wasn't able to like just run home and get it. Just yeah, not. Not good for recording. Well, we're happy. To, I'm happy to be back. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll we'll be able to do these relatively more frequently. I know we're even lining up guest hosts, aren't we? Yeah, uh, Jason has repeatedly expressed uh, interest coming on and just shellacking Panerai. Excellent. I think yeah. Derek also wants to join us, and that would be fun too. I wonder what his feelings on Panerai are. I guess we'll find out. Yes, we can. We can maybe have the two mysterious collections from you and Derek uh, make an appearance on the Slackcast. Is Derek's collection really that mysterious? I don't know. It's, he seems to have a bunch of them that we, he doesn't really seem to wear. Or, but anyways. Yeah. How are you today? I'm all right. Uh, you know, situation normal. All, all things nominal? All things nominal. I still have a job. I don't do a hell of a lot, or I do stuff, but I said fuck it today, and I uh, spent about three or four hours catting up a, a watch case for John and his Chinese watch project, which was fun. Um, that yeah, looks cool. cool. I, I looked oh, at the I, mock-ups. Yeah. I'm excited about it. It's got some... Uh, it needs some love still, but uh, I think a uh, um, couple more details in there, and um, I can 3D print it and uh, start wearing it around and get a feel for it and see what people, and then maybe if that works, get a bunch of them printed up and see if we can get them sent out to people for feedback. <laughs> Yeah, it, I, I would definitely be interested in getting one of those when they go to at least a final um, production. It's cool looking. Yeah, I think it'd be really nice. I think I think the approach was originally to start off with a uh, exact one, one reproduction of um, this hand wine Chinese watch um, or movement watch that um, 
John has acquired a bunch of them. And, you know, after I made the one-to-one -one build in CAD, I was just like, it's, you know, like, it's, I'm not sure it's got that much of a potential and like its original 35 millimeter diameter and like 43 millimeter lug to lug it, it unless Cassie's got our, our target market. Um, it's, uh, it just feels a little bit small. I think, um, to make it a little bit more mass appeal, we decided to up it to about 37, 37 and a half and, uh, play around with it. So, um, 18 millimeter lugs, I think it's 45, uh, top to bottom. So should be, a good size um, should be able to make it fairly thin uh, with the manual line movement and uh, see what happens. I think we got to still design uh, the dial and handset and all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, I'm excited where the case ended up. Like at first, I was I don't know. I wouldn't say ambivalent, but like I don't know. Like wasn't really wowed or not wowed by the case. But like I'm kind of excited where we are now and. Looking forward to doing more on it. Yeah, uh, the entire like aesthetic of the mock-up looked good to me. Um, seeing it just you know briefly, those like three, you know, front, top, and right, or whatever they were renders. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it looks interesting. I think I've changed proportions slightly, but um, I'm happy with where they are, and uh, I think it'll sit nicely on someone's wrist with a nice strap. On. Does this have a name yet? Uh, I don't think so. Um, other than I think the Chinese watch project. How about the Dreamware? The Dreamware? No, I've already done that. Can't go back. I see. What about the Dream Station? Yeah, that that, that would work. What about the yeah. um, What about the Sonicare? I never worked on toothbrushes. Oh. Is Sorry. this going to be design award number 21? I highly doubt it. Um, but screw you. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> then you can be like, I have over 20 design awards. I do. But anyways, um, it's all it's all part of, partially big due to uh, well, Phillips has a entire group of people dedicated to the pursuit and acquisition of design awards. So um, I believe that while some of Phillips awards may have been warranted, um, there's definitely uh, doesn't hurt to be Phillips when you're applying for red dots or IFs or good design awards or the stuff like that. Um, Phillips historically uh, doesn't support the IDAs, and um, Phillips um, historically doesn't have that many of them. Coincidence? I'll so let you draw your own conclusions. It's an Ouroboros of dick sucking community. Something like that. Hey, I'll take I a see. trip to, to I'll take a trip to uh, Germany and Munich uh, on on their dime for uh, a big old fuck off party and award ceremony. Like that was fun. Like I'll do it again. If it ever uh, arises, but I'm not counting on it. I don't make stuff anymore, and given the state of the planet and everyone else, I'm not that bothered by it. But uh, I'm excited by the watch stuff. At least I'm not making plastic junk. 
maybe we can make our watch case out of recycled steel. That would be cool. Um, and, and straps out of ocean plastic. What about like dead seagulls? Can we use dead seagulls somewhere in the design? Mm, yeah, maybe we can use orphan teeth as uh, markers. I was thinking more along the lines of like somehow oh, we, we use some detritus from a like dead seagull as part of the packaging. Yeah, maybe like yeah. some uh, discarded uh, fishing nets as part of the uh, shipping material. Yeah, that would be good. Something like that. So uh, it's been like a little while since we've done this. Um, have you acquired anything new? Uh, probably. Um, <laughs> this has been what, in the last month or so? Yeah, other than I've... seething hatred. Seething hatred, that was already there. Um, so I'm wearing my Solar Seiko shitter. Oh, yeah. What's the, um, what's the reference on your shitter? Uh, I think it's an S. Hold on, it's an S. Uh, it's a Prospex, um, right? Yeah, Seiko Dark Series Kuna. It's not a Kuna. Um, it's not a Tuna. It's. Hmm, this is exciting here. Um, there needs to be like some weird like green party like uh, name for the the solar tuna. It needs to be called like an eco tuna or something. The eco tuna, yeah, it's uh, SNE something another. Um, SNE five seven seven P one, and honestly, like. It it feels and wears a hell of a lot smaller than um, the Marine Master I sold Steve, and uh, I'm kind of digging it. Um, probably my biggest complaints that I'm willing to deal with at this point is that uh, the loom on the hands doesn't match the color of the loom on the markers, but that's a common Seiko trait. Um, it's a bit of a torch in in the shadows and a. Probably from a excuse me, probably from a uh, critical eye, I would say that the fact that it's like a couple hundred thousands off the markers when it ticks on the second hand or the sweep, which bothered me a lot at first. I'm getting over it, but uh, I don't know, part of me wonders if I can send it to Seiko Service in New Jersey and they'd fix it for me, but uh, I kind of doubt it. <laughs> so I I sent a turtle to Seiko USA that had a misaligned bezel and they were just like, oh, it's within spec and they sent it back to me. And I was like, well, that's the last time I ever buy any any, <laughs> any modern Seiko anything. And that was the last time I did. So. Yeah. Um, let's see. I've also, I bought a NSMDA chronograph, which I'll probably end up flipping. It's kind of cool. It's not bad. It's, I didn't realize it was a some sort of like uh, shiny gunmetal color. I thought it was just a stainless steel case. And it it's not bad, it's 42 millimeters, like 49 lug to lug, 22 millimeter lug width. It's not a bad watch, it's just um, not, I don't know, it's not sticking. It's trying too to top gun for you? Eh, it's not top gun enough. 
Um, I also bought a Walbrook, uh, sorry, Douglas Skin Diver. Cassidy now owns that one. Um, him, Steve, and I met up a couple weeks back. I'm trying to think of what else I've bought in the last couple. That's probably about it. I've been mostly purging still. Down to uh, 13 watches. That's pretty skinny. Yeah, it's pretty skinny considering at some point I was close to like 30 something, but uh, that's not counting like the the constant influx of in and out. But yeah, um, it's yeah, it, I don't know. I kind of got to the point where it's just like there's nothing left in the collection that I can just like let go and not have a oh fuck moment or like, am I okay with doing this? And, um, Right now, like the probably the lowest uh, man on the totem pole is the uh, um, fairer, uh, was it uh, Elvington chronograph, the records, evil panda looking thing. And um, actually, it's really weird to say this, but like I haven't touched it since I picked up the synchron, but the uh, Degas Cav 1 Type 2, um, I'm wearing that sparingly, but like. Those are definitely the uh, the quote unquote low man on the totem pole. That's cool. I like the Degas. That's that's like my um, that's one of my favorite things you have. That and the Paradigm, maybe. Yeah, like they're really nice, and I, I don't see myself purging the Degas, but uh, um, it does not get as much attention as I've given it in the past, and maybe it's just uh, a cycle of up and down. We'll see. Feels good. How about you? Pick up pick up anything of late? Uh, no, I, th I think the last thing I still bought was the Steinhardt um, Nav B forty two Uren, the bronze one, and I'm nice. wearing that on and off still. It's like it's it's still really awesome. Like you know it, that does it. Like it's it's great. Like there's not really anything wrong with it. Um, I think maybe the only thing that would be wrong with it is that it's uh 18,000 beats per hour okay as opposed I think to 26 six or or whatever like 20 even 21 right like it's just it's pretty low beat rate like it's not really 26 six your modem or is that 28 three <laughs> uh that's 56k that's that's okay that's, that's the yeah. that's how old i am i never was in the um i was never in the several hundred baud um <laughs> level of speed 56k yeah we were uh, we were fifty six k and um, twenty eight eight I think when I was like really young I think I think twenty eight eight was the thing when I was like one year old. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Speaking of which, what are you wearing today, buddy? I am wearing the Steinhardt Ocean uh, Noya Red. The Ooh. diver. Nice. Yeah. Steinhardt dig. Ocean Vintage Military Noya Red. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, it's really good if you're like just doing stuff because you're not going to damage it. Like even if you dip your hand in sour cream, like there's nothing you can do to this that will damage it, right? Um, whereas if you have, is, uh, if you're wearing cream, it, is sour cream corrosive to steel? Uh, no, but it's probably not good to get in leather. And the other thing that I wear has leather on it, which is mm. the like if I got if I got sour cream and calfskin and I left it there, it would probably be ruined, right? Probably. 
Maybe it might, take on, might take on a bit of a funk. Yeah, it wouldn't be good, right? No. At best, it would be delicious, and that that's just not acceptable <clears throat> for a watch band. Yeah, get hungry in a meeting and start gnawing your wrist. Yeah. So I've been I've been doing like consulting stuff, um, but then mm-hmm. also like um, you know doing stuff outside uh, the past couple of weeks. So it's like I don't want to wear something that I'm going to profusely sweat all over. Because that's Sounds the kind right. of that's the kind of weather in Georgia right now. So um, it's been pretty good. I don't really have uh, you know much to complain about with this. Um, I wonder if in several years when all this um, coronavirus stuff is like completely gone and a memory that I, I'm going <laughs> to think about Steinhardt and then I'm going to think about the coronavirus in relation to that. I wonder if that's how that's going to work. Maybe. I, I don't think watches will come to mind, uh, or maybe they will, but we'll see. Because when I was having all my um, like sinus problems in like 2014, oh, right. I, I think about my Steinhardt Ocean Vintage Military, the, the gray one I have. So like th- those things are connected for me. So I wonder if the coronavirus pandemic is going to make me think of either of these Steinharts that I wear all the time. Maybe. Or maybe the Mark II, because I wear that a lot, too. So, You still liking that one? Yeah, like, I mean, it is it is pretty much autistically, scientifically perfect, so I don't know how I wouldn't like it, right? Like, I don't understand the people that complain about Mark II. It's just, it's bizarre. It's, um, it's such like a, they don't make them like they used to, weird, like, non-argument thing. It's yeah. Like, it's like, wow, this is the... You know, this this lines up perfectly. Every part of this is perfect. There's no defects on this watch. That's crazy because it's not, you know, a $22,000 watch or anything, right? Yeah, it's it's a nice quality watch. What did you think of the Tornek Rayville? Um, so I, I've, I've kind of got like weird feelings about that because I, you know, I saw that they were launching that as a brand that it was not a mark. They like separated it from Mark II which I thought that was interesting because they thought it was like a, a a more powerful brand or like it needed to stand on its own. Well, apparently when he decided to, and I, this was like a couple of years back in the, in a worn wound podcast, but like he was saying that he, that was one of the first things he did when he went into business for himself was buy that trademark. So like the Tornic Rainville was a, I guess years in the making. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm surprised he, he launched it as a separate brand myself because I thought like his like him or hate him or not, like I feel like the Mark II has its own cachet. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying it's wrong of him to do that or anything. Maybe he just has a different vision for what I thought. But um, I think that uh, I heard somewhere that like they thought they would make more than just watches under that name. Yeah, some lifestyle stuff. I think him and John Gaffney and some other people, he's... I guess partnered with or talking about doing some interesting things. So we'll see. It's like, well, as, as long as they're as good quality as the watches, like, cool, right? Like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the like the design is cool, but like, uh, you know, I don't need one of them based on just seeing the design. Yeah, that was kind of like I have I already have like a bulletproof dive watch or several of them so it's kind of like uh this one's doesn't really 
speak to me in the same way, but it looks cool. And it's just like, I know it'll be a nice watch, but like, it's just, I think if I was in a collect, uh, an acquisition mode, I might be like, Ooh, I'll just buy it and flip it if I want. But like right now it's just, it didn't tickle the itch. It didn't cause Excuse tumescence. Me. No, it did not cause tumescence. I mean, I like it, but like it, it wasn't, uh, I have this weird, like I've been looking at non sport or tool watches of late and just like lusting over them and being like, I'm not going to wear it. It's Are just you going to like, buy an IWC Portugizer and, and go uh, full businessman? No, no, no. Like, I mean, like I really, I've been, uh, whatever that, um, that Delft Watchworks thing was exciting for a bit. And then, um, the Stom, Stoom, whatever, like they're doing um, that brand with that crazy glacier-inspired dial that kind of looks like it could be a, a Grand Seiko dial if they put a power meter on it. Um, uh, I'm making a joke there. It's not very funny, but... Um, uh, <laughs> I got it's it. Like, it, just, it wasn't funny, but I got it. It's like the... the it is thing. just like, yeah, because it's such a beautiful dial that it could be a Grand Seiko if they put a power meter on it. Come yeah, on. yeah, um, but yeah, like stuff like that. Like I have rekindled an interest in the that uh, uh, Paulin that Enerdine um, sister brand or um, wife's brand with the uh, cool pad printed dials and the funky handset. Like I don't know. Like I'm looking at things outside of tool watches now and being like, hmm, why? Is this going to end up with you being like a G-Shock collector? Is like, is that the no, end of the story? I've, I've, I've tried so hard to buy a G-Shock, and every time I get close, I'm just like, nope, can't do it. Not going to do it. What if I just like picked one out and sent it to you just to see what you thought? Like, what if, what if, like, you know, I, we tried to introduce it like uh, it was a version therapy or something? I'd, I'd give it a shot, but like, I probably preferred that than buying one and having to like try to flip it. Oh, I also bought that uh, uh, WR Watches uh, Unimatic clone homage thing. Brian has it now. How is that? I it was a good looking watch. It's just, I don't think gray dials speak to me. Um, it also like um, the flatness of the case and my wrist size just didn't work. And I was just like, this is not going to be a match. So I got rid of it pretty quickly. I thought that it was like good looking. I think if I remember correctly, it's a, it's a handsome looking watch. Um, I'm sure Brian can post it at some point, but like uh, go to the website for WR watches, but like, it's just nice watch. Just, I got it in hand and it was just like, it didn't cause two essence. Did did you have to make sure that it had like four extra links for for Brian? Because he's, he's a no, big it bear came player. on a came on a fabric strap, like possibly the stiffest fabric strap or nylon strap I've ever seen. It was like ridiculous. It was like a like a really dense nylon like stitched together to make a like a two piece strap, and I was just like, this is not comfortable at all. So the staff the 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 um, band was. The strap was stiff, unlike your penis, is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. It was two ply and stiff. Yeah. 
my penis is definitely one play. You can like see through it. Is it like a like a, an onion that you cut thinly? Yeah, it, it's thick, but it's one ply. That's interesting. It's like the, yeah, yeah. It's like the, this, analogy, this analogy is going nowhere, Alex. <laughs> it's like the uh, the stuff that the, the street vendors sell in like India. That's like the, the big like just salty pieces of nothing. It's like that. I could go for a good like Hong Kong meat on a stick excursion right now. That would be nice. Some fish balls like of the of like the canine variety or like what are we talking about? Just like oh, regular, kind, like just like the generic meat on a stick. Like sometimes, like you ever been like you've been to Hong Kong, right? Yeah. Okay, like you, you get like the uh, the like the stinky fermented tofu. Like you get a tentacle on a stick, like in teriyaki sauce or whatever it is. And it's just like it's it's like you got you got I guess like having someone who knows which carts to go to or not go to is key it seems but like um that's just good like some fish balls yeah i like uh that or um like any of the noodles available there yes like pretty much like i mean like i could uh, favorite thing was to go out into hong kong and just like get like a bowl of noodles and uh steam buns for uh steamed pork buns specifically uh for breakfast it's just like this is like the way man should live it's like uh charles char siu bao whatever, whatever it is it's the steamed pork yes. buns with the yeah yes. yeah that, that has a bunch of weird names that uh i can only remember like one of the variation of all the names because the, every every one of those languages calls it a different thing but yeah yes and the yin yang or yin yang yin yang like the milk uh, the tea coffee mix yeah which is terrible, but like awesome because it's like super high in caffeine. <laughs> yeah, they, they really seem to have figured out like um, cold brewed coffee in uh, like Asia grocery stores slash convenience stores and not so much in the United States. Um, no, it's weird. Like it's it's expensive and like inferior here and there. It's like the same price or cheaper than water and amazing. Yes, and it doesn't have like well, you can find it without like five kilograms of sugar in it. Yeah, yeah. You can like actually like like enjoy like a like a you know like a double espresso with a little bit of milk in it and be like, oh, this is like I can taste the coffee, I can taste the milk, and there's not like an incredible amount of sweetness. But if you want like condensed milk and a sweet thing, you can get that too. But like it's like you get to pick because they have choices. Yeah, not because we're just dumb. Americans, and it like comes in a brown can, and the I've, like I came in a brown can. Yeah, of course, and uh, that's that's how you get the cream in it. And the the coffee is like it's got a, a, a like a I'm little, shaking like, my head at myself for that one. Sorry, I'm just damn. It's got like a little picture of a, a cat like doing a line of coke on it, and you're like, oh yeah, this has a lot of caffeine in it. Yes. Yeah. Hello, kitty, doing blow. Yeah, like they want you to know that this is serious and that you shouldn't, you know, don't drink this if you're sensitive because you'll hurt yourself. Like this is their, <laughs> this is their version of like a warning label. It's just like a little cartoon cat, you know, doing doing speed balls on the, like on the can. Yes. Yeah, that and uh, shrimp chips. That's that's like what you got to eat that with. Shrimp chips. Yeah. Yeah. Was. That, like uh it was kanji with a fried ghost yeah 
good stuff. Anyway, should we move on to the next topic? If you want. Uh, we can. You still, want, you still want to talk about Fred Ghost? No, I, I mean, I like Ghost in all of its forms. It doesn't have to be Fred. Okay. Um, so, you know, um, I saw the Ming stuff go down on Instagram. And uh, why don't you give a little overview of this for our listeners? Because this was a very amusing thing for me. I think it's hysterical. It's just so like, apparently there's this infamous, famous collector, Masana. He has this company called Masana Labs. He partnered with Ming. Um, I mean, they put together a watch. Apparently the ordering situation was a giant debacle and they decided to do some sort of random or potentially random allocation via email as opposed to like a public lottery or something like that so like people were already like uh had their knickers in a bunch about that and then apparently the watch uses a gmt movement but they've modified it so the gmt hand is now the hour hand and um, because the GMT hand is more prone for, to slipping, it's not as accurate. And people, when they got their watches, were losing their mind because the power hand was not lined up where it's supposed to be. And for a yeah. however many thousand dollar watch, uh, that kind of sucks. And then, like, that's where it gets all like um, weird because, like, I feel like. Um, lots of people like complaining that Masana was just being a jerk to them online, blaming them for the problems. Uh, there was a whole bunch of posts by Ming, which weren't very <laughs> like business appropriate, um, or consumer friendly or customer service nice or whatever you want to call it. But it's just like, it was like people were being shitting on both sides of the, uh, the equation there. And it's just like, this is a giant mess. And I was just kind of like, this is really funny to watch go down because it's, it doesn't seem like it's the first time that that's happened of recent where like people are taking weird movements and putting it into watches or doing things that seem to be, I don't want to call it shady, but just like not good decisions. Yeah, just poor technical decisions, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I, I don't I don't have any of the technology details to know why like they would take a GMT movement and modify it to be like a regular three-handed movement. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because they, they, I think they want to be able to to jump hours, right? Like that's the that, that's probably oh, the, okay. The so jumping right? hours, yeah, okay. So that makes sense. But like, it's still like it's it's. I just put a quartz movement in it. Like, just fuck off. <laughs> I think because they can't charge five thousand dollars for that. I think that's the answer. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, probably it's, it's. I mean, not that that's right, but I think that's the real answer. That makes it's, sense. Uh, it, it, it's it's super common to have um, GMT hand slop um, in the ETA twenty eight ninety ninety three twos, which is probably what that's modified off of. I don't actually know. Um, yeah. maybe, like, I haven't investigated the technical stuff, but I'm I'm very familiar with the twenty eight ninety three two and all of its um, GMT hand slop issues because that's that's the one that everyone uses that can't afford a rolex gmt master 2 or doesn't want to buy that or doesn't want to buy a quartz one because like, mm. those are really your options it's, it's you buy a nighthawk or a gmt master 2 right if you want like perfect uh gmt hand 
precision. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, as as uh, probably Mike could tell you, you know, it, uh, GMT GMT watches that are um, very well made are like not actually super common. So. Yeah, well, it's it does seem to be a weird thing, and then like there's like you know like Benris did a, a one two punch with like weird movement things. Um, I mean, the first thing was their uh, their Type One where they use a smaller movement, which was kind of questionable from the standpoint of being underpowered. The underpowered when it drives the hands, which was kind of interesting because they were. Uh, you know, in a conversation I had with one of the brand spokespeople, they kind of pooped on Billy Yao and his nice copies. And I was like, okay. And he, he touted the, uh, like ours uses a real ETA Swiss movement. And then they use some sort of like tiny movement as opposed to a full size movement, which I thought was weird. And then they were just said they had a bunch of, uh, on that uh, cricket alarm that they tried launching they had a, uh, uh, they called it, they found a bunch of new old stock. Was it uh, a Schlid movements, which were actually uh, Soviet watch, uh, Soviet watch movements, um, which was yeah. kind of another, which was kind of like hysterical. And then that was the Hodinky co-branded uh, launch, which disappeared real quick. But it's just like, man, like people are just like, I don't know what's going on, but it seems like the people are just like chomping at the bit to put out stuff without any kind of thought going into what you need to do to make these things actually like be what they are and successful. Isn't it weird that like Hodinki is not as reputable as just like some large, um, long-standing like watch stores? Like that's really weird, right? Yeah, it's just like I mean like. <sighs> I don't know. It, it's kind of like Hodinkee comes off as highfalutin and snobby, in my opinion. And then to have all these weird things like the travel clock, which came off as own deaf. Yeah. Like, and then there's this um, Benris situation where it's just like, I don't get it. But like, you know, like you have all these like watch um, horology darlings who are just like, they just, they seem to be just in it for the for a buck as opposed to actually trying to like um make quality stuff which kind of bums me out and makes me not want to like them or you know partake in their uh offerings if you will yeah so you know you, you keep seeing all this stuff where hodinkee tries to act like it's christie's or something and then like they don't have anywhere near the level of technical competence as Christie's and Christie's sometimes gets stuff wrong too. So yeah. it's like, if you're trying to be a knockoff of a, a of a brand or at like, um, you know, some, some technical auction house that like generally has fairly good information, uh, and you just don't have any of the expertise, like that's not going to work. You know, um, I, I don't know why that they thought that was a good thing to do from a business perspective. Is this just like a bunch of venture capital coming in from New York where like everyone's just a moron? Is like, that's what, is that what was happening? That's, it seems kind of crazy. That might be, it might be just be like they're now under the gun to make money as opposed to just produce like watch articles. Um, but like, I'm curious to see where they are in five years, if they're, I mean, 
relevant at all other than just being like a some sort of purveyor of merchandise um i don't know like it, i mean like it 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 ties back into my concern or worry about this whole watch collecting thing being like more of a wealth of enthusiasm as opposed to an actual horology enjoyment or you know do you just fucking english like just i like watches like it's just like i enjoy this shit like i don't need it to be like a you know i don't need to be a, a demonstration of my value or wealth perceived or actual um i wear these things because they make me happy and they fit into my life i don't have to make it bigger than that yeah i mean this happens in an every hobby to some degree though right like if you if you yeah. try and avoid this from avoiding watches like it just it's not going to go away there's always been um especially like people that have no knowledge when they try to get into some kind of hobby like you'll see the guy that you know yeah well if i buy a if i buy a ten thousand dollar camera or a four thousand dollar camera and six thousand dollars worth of glass i'm going to be a good photographer right that's how that works right and it's yeah. like no no, it's not. That's not how that works yeah. at all. Yes, yeah, so you and, see, you see plenty of uh, video on YouTube of people who have bought their supercar and then just make a left turn and total it. Yeah, or it's, the the thing that I always uh, think of uh, cars are, is probably like one of the best examples. But um, people buying kitchen appliances that have no no like business buying like commercial level kitchen appliances yes. that have no idea what they're doing. That's a problem. Like it's a problem insofar as, you know, they, they they're doing it just for statusy reasons versus that they're going to use them. Right. And that's like appliances are expensive. Probably don't do that. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I don't need a $10,000 stove because I want to show off. Like, that's that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, and they really are like ten thousand dollars because this oh. is the, this is like the 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 prosumer brand stove, right? It's just no, no. I, I've I've seen them. We have uh, we have friends that bought a house that had that installed, and it's just like, oh, look at this. It's like, do you even know how to use it? And it's like, no, nah, I haven't figured it out yet. Was the statement? And all the parts are proprietary, and it costs a bunch to get it worked on. But usually they're pretty good. Like that's the. You know, it's it's like anything else. There's there's trade offs with that stuff. They're like but, the McDonald's shake machine. Yes, that's a very good example um, because their McDonald's is not incentivized to fix it because of their weird longstanding deal with that uh, ice cream, you know, machine manufacturer that their their buddies and the franchisees have to pay for all the service. So, you know, not a good thing. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts on Manger Benris or? Uh, I mean, I think that Ming probably is going to, I mean, the man at, at himself, I think, is probably at least going to help try and make this right. I don't know if the, the Benris stuff really has any good, you know, path forward because it's like, well, they were like literally selling, you know, fake movements essentially right so uh yeah great job uh professional watch website um selling <laughs> fake movements great you're you're so smart what a, a wealth of knowledge from a uh you know a a website that's supposed to be about watch expertise uh 
You, yeah. you dumb, you dumb, sad bastards. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to talk about Panerai at all? Uh, um, that one's fun. That was posted by Doctor Watcherman. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to do this judge uh, justice, but it seems like uh, Panerai has been calling ETA movements or, uh, or. <laughs> I don't even know if they've been modified, but like they're calling ETA movements their uh, in-house movements, which Panerai is a Swatch brand and ETA is a Swatch brand. So like it's technically in-house, right? Panerai is not a Swatch brand, is it? Oh. I think it's it's Richemont, I believe. Okay, never mind. Um, let me validate that to make sure I'm not a liar, but I, I believe it's Richemont. Um, Yes, they, they are owned by Richemont. Um, okay, so it's not so, a... So yeah, so quite simply, they are lying. Yes. Right? If uh, if Omega says that uh, the, you know, an ETA movement was in-house, I'd be like, all right, that's kind of a weird definition of in-house, but it's, you know... You're, I, you're reaching, but like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically it is. If they say the, if they said the, like, uh, the coaxial... Ada movements, you know, like the 2500 and stuff um, that, yeah. that was made specifically for them. If they want to call that in-house, absolutely. That's, you know, that's valid. Um, but, you know, Panerai calling something that, uh, you know, if anything, it had a darkened crystal case back, which is suspicious. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's literally just like an off-the-shelf Ada movement, which the thing with that is always like, okay, why are you trying to hide that you have like good, reliable parts in your watch? Like, why are you doing that? Like, it's, it's more, it's more along that, like going into that realm of just like, we're trying to out, you know, out snob everyone else or like we're, we're, we're flaunting our um, provenance and everyone else's face. Meanwhile, they're lying through their teeth. Yeah, but they, they like they have the industrial capacity to actually make their own movements. So like I, I guess they're just too lazy to do it. Like I don't understand. Like they definitely have people that know how to make watches there. Wasn't there some sort of other statement where like Rolex never made Panerai or something like that? Or like it was always just some other brand making watches for them? I don't know nothing about the brand, so I could be completely talking out of my ass here. So so yeah, so the argument that uh Perez Scope was making is that um not only were the uh, Rolex watches that uh, or the Panerai watches that were supplied under the Panerai name to uh, you know the frogmen or whatever you want to call the you know the Italian um, you know aquatic guys. you know combat people yeah um, that they not only were they um, you know not only did they have Rolex cases in fact the entire watch was made by Rolex and it was just it just said Panerai Right. Um, yeah. They were Rolex Oyster watches. That's the claim that Perez Scope is making. And um, so his his conclusion of that is that the Panerai brand really is itself a fiction. Like that's, <laughs> that's what he's. Yeah. And I know that's super brutal, but like based on the, the claims that he's made in the past and the things that shook out from them. I am inclined to believe the way that he is painting this narrative because we, we've never actually had something like go back from what he said, right? All the lunar oyster stuff, that was true. You know, all yeah. the all the stuff that he's ever said, it's it's always been like, oh yeah, they were murdering those children. Like, you know, it, 
definitely everything that he said has happened or like worse has happened, right? So yeah. this is not it, a, a case of someone crying wolf, right? No, they're crying frogman. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just it just seems like it's just like so like disappointing that like I don't know like just like I I have no interest in 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 Panerai. Like I I, I can appreciate the aesthetic. I can appreciate the watches, but like it's kind of like oh god. Like I mean, I immediately think about like you know not to calling one out here, but I immediately go to Mike and like his love for his Panerai and just like I. Like, if you like the watch so much that you've gone out and bought one, or if you lusted over it, and then like you like start having these thoughts about like, you know, the brand, like just like man, like how like I'm curious how you feel because it just it's got to feel like a little bit like some sort of betrayal. Yeah, I mean, so he actually went to Italy and bought his though, right? Which, I know. Like, I mean, that, but I'm saying that, that makes it worse, is what I'm saying. Because he yes. he actually made the effort and you know did everything the the fancy right way and still was a little bit um, you know betrayed emotionally by them right well yeah okay for instance like what if, what if what if the speedmaster never made it to the moon and the whole moon landing was faked and all these moon watches and all the provenances just doesn't exist is that <laughs> in- you think we went to the moon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so but like, is, is that the same caliber of just like um, flim flam? Or is it like, is it like, is it like apples and oranges here? Is like, is it like, are we, are we talking like that level of just like misdirection? Or is it like, okay, you know, things were weird. People were going to die. They helped them out. Like, I think it's apples and wax apples, right? So like, what they said is not a true statement insofar as the way that they told the story. Like the stuff did occur, but not in the way that they claim because it's not convenient for their branding. But, you know, people like Rolex have done that with the the Smiths, you know, mm. all, the Smiths watches as well, right? So I'm sure you're familiar with that, right? Yes. The, so so the, the, the watch that actually climbed Everest first was the Smiths, people believe and Rolex will not disconfirm that that is correct. And it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, one of the first watches. And it's like, wait, one of? One of? Or the, the first one? And, you know, Rolex being, you know, they're, they're conservative. They're not going to get caught in a lie, right? Uh, because that's how they are. Like, if they, if anything, they would, like, generously paint things. But I don't yeah. think that they would say something outright false. That doesn't seem like Rolex to me, Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd give that 100%. So I think that the things that Panerai said are outright false, right? And I don't think that necessarily takes away from the actual creation of the individual watches themselves and, you know, their case quality or any of that. Yeah. But the, it, the narrative that they are painting definitely does have some holes in it, right? Um, it, it, it's to me it's very it's actually a better analogy or a better comparison would be like all the pseudo nouveau bourbon brands that are just fucking marketing creations versus you know a bunch of assholes in kentucky um you know you know create like you know like they've they've co- they've co-opted a, a barrel house 
they've hired someone to put some branding together and now they're just making stuff that's oh like you know four generations of you know alcoholics and blah blah blah, blah. and meanwhile it's like the brands existed for three months yeah and they're actually the actual liquor is made by like jack daniels or something right like yes yeah, they just they just buy you know tanker trucks full of whiskey and bottle it themselves some some commercial company that you know yeah just, just does it and they just buy it from them yeah or bullet i guess would probably be the yeah bullet is an example yeah. of it yeah yeah i don't know about bourbon yes do you want to oh do you want to <laughs> do you want to get into my uh alibaba extortion story uh yes uh, <laughs> i've never i've never been more yes oh god so this was so um i was listening to another podcast and they were talking about homage and uh ripoffs and et cetera et cetera and you know you should buy nice straps and spend more money on it and whatever like just like i went on to alibaba for the first time and started looking at uh some fuck kill mary straps or fkm rubber straps and it was curious because i don't know i figured i should give rubber straps uh, another go and i didn't want to spend 40 dollars on uncle seiko and blah 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 so I'm on the website and figuring out that like, okay, like you got to go to either AliEx or, or, or tailor the search for your minimum order quantity so you can whatever. So I get to Jayung or Jayung um, and I buy, I think two Tropic straps and three like uh, hex straps. I, they look like they were separate orders from separate companies. I put my credit card through, bought them. I spent like 25 bucks plus shipping on it. And I thought I was done. The next day, I get a message in WhatsApp from some woman claiming to be from Jay Younger, whatever the name of the company is, saying that they... Uh, didn't charge me enough and i needed to pay them more money for them to ship me the the watch straps to which i was like okay first off like how'd you find me in whatsapp because this is kind of weird and then second it's just like why are you asking for more money like i paid shipping for the straps from both companies like you should you there's no need to charge me more money and they like i forget what the response was to that it was just like trying to put it on me or like I you know make it my fault and I'm like listen like keep the straps return my money like do better business like just like if you want to sell a product for for a price list it as a price and I'll buy it but don't don't call me up after or don't you know message me after I've already completed the transaction and ask for more money because this is ridiculous and uh it was weird too because in the confirmation um email like it was like the wrong size and colors too and i was just like just cancel the whole goddamn order um and that was it and i ignored the follow-up messages and just haven't gotten back and um two weeks later um i had my five straps show up 
without any extra money or whatever, but it was just like, it was just really weird. I'm like, I'm still baffled at how they found me on WhatsApp. So, you know what I think that really was? It was some, well, first of all, your, your uh, number was on the receipt and the employee used it to contact you on WhatsApp, but he was using his fulfillment order status as the employee to try and extort money out of you, you know, extraneous from the company. The company probably didn't even know about it everything seemed legit. Like, I mean, like it could have been a really good phishing attempt, but like, like it was just like, it's, it's like, they seem to have all the information without me providing. No. It, so it was from the company, but it was, it was from not the owner of the company. It was probably from some random shipping monkey. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. That's, yeah, that's what I think happened. Someone yeah. in, a, in accounts payable or accounts receiving and just being like, Oh, let's see what we can do here. Yeah. Like, they, weren't, they weren't even asking for that much more money. They wanted like another six forty-seven or something. I'm just like, whatever. Like, like I, I probably could have been like, okay, sure. But like, it was just like this was just dumb. It was weird. I kind of love that. It's it's kind of nice. So, um, not to be deterred, um, I placed a second order from Alibaba, and uh, I'm still waiting for it, but no extortion this time. Is the Chinese government going to make you disappear like Jack Ma? Maybe, but like, I don't know. After after listening to the latest TPWS uh, podcast today, like I kind of want to like go back again and get Mike a, a faux rainbow Daytona that's all iced out. I think he'd be like, is this factory ice? Because I don't do aftermarket fake ice. Probably. This needs to be Good. OEM fake ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have this on the, the list. Would you like to talk about the, the design of the Raven field watches? Yeah. I'm curious what, like, I mean, like I'm, I know Raven has a great reputation with Steve being a stand-up dude and making cool watches. I've never been particularly um, enamored by him. And I say this with, my full appreciation for quote unquote homage watches. Like I always felt like Steve's watches were very much based off of, you know, sub style cases and other things. Um, and I tried, I remember, I forget which ones I tried on, but I tried them on at wind up many years ago and just found them to be really big. And like, I just, you know, I'm, I'm not tied into anything. And I looked at the, like the field watch and I really wanted to like it. Like I thought the, uh, the bezel with the ceramic insert, even though yep. it was a fixed bezel was interesting. I just, I don't know what it is, but like, I'm just, it's for me, like it's a, it's a complete miss, but like, I don't know why, because it, it in theory ticks all the things that it should be ticking. And I'm just like, what about it is like, am I missing a, like, a, well, I probably shouldn't say it this way. Am I missing a gene? Like, like, the, like just like something where like, it's my problem, but like, I just, I figured like, you know, movement or components inside, like, what do you think on it? And like, what, like, do you like it? Does it bother you? Like what elements work? Don't. I should probably buy one of these just for like R and D, but um, I think that they're cool, but they're, they're definitely like younger guys watches, like the design language that they're using with mm -hmm. the, like black on black. Like that's very like, 
I'm a 20 year old and this is my first watch kind of thing. Right. With a, a lot of that stuff, it's very like young person color scheme. Yeah. I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I just mean that and that is the design language that they have chosen kind of way. No, it, it do, does to me feel like it fits in right in with like Raven and Notice, like hand in hand, like they're appealing to the same market. But like, I, I don't know. Like, Which Blink-182 song is the Raven Trekker? Uh, man, I gotta look up some Blink eighty two songs. Um, is it is it all the small things? Is it Dark Side? Is it what's my what's my age again? I think based on what you just said, it's what's my age again. It could be what's my age again or the Rock Show. It could be. Uh, no, Hold on, let's blink. You're more of a stay together for the kids kind of guy, right? No. No. Uh, Ooh, what about no feel, what about feeling this or I miss you? What about that? Uh, no, what was the? Uh... You seem like you'd be like a whiny Elliot Smith song that's musically great. Where's the fucking track list? You'd be like Disintegration or something. I guess that's the cure, but. That's the point. Yeah. Uh, albums, album. Why, like, like, why is it so hard to find a track list? Okay, there we go. Pathetic Voyeur, damn it. Um, seriously? Why can't I find Dude Ranch track listing? Uh, huh. Track four, boring. That's you. That's my Raven Trekker. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but it's like I don't think it's. I think it's meant for a you know a younger guy than you that doesn't have K nine hip dysplasia. I think uh, maybe the... maybe track fourteen Lemmings. Okay, I can see that. I don't know. I'm being harsh just to be funny and it's not fair. Um, so you've had one of those, right? You've like physically had a, a Raven. No, I haven't. I tried one on and wind up, but I've never owned one. Okay. I'll, I'll buy one then and we'll, we'll look at it. Seriously. Yeah. You don't do that to yourself. Well, yeah. I mean, they've been well thought of by several people, right? So like, yeah, I mean, why not? Oh, can I can I get one, or are they like super micro brandy where it's already sold out? I don't know. Yeah. Let's, well, Wait, okay, that. so let, let's let's do a hot take here because it actually ends up being the other watch that uh, Mike and Kaz were talking about on the last podcast. What do you think of the Brew Metric? Uh, not a fan. Besides the uh, the position and of the date, what else? Uh, let me let me pull it up to make sure that. You know, I'm um, uh, not a fan of the interlocking uh, bracelet, the Omega Constellation style bracelet, like just for practical reasons. It looks cool, I guess. Um, yeah, the date, not good. Um, the sizing is probably not the best for me. Um, it is like different though, right? Like you can't be like, this is derivative, right? Like it's pretty, it's pretty something, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, it, this is just not the kind of watch that I would buy. It's not that there's anything necessarily wrong with it. It's that it has no place in my collection, right? Yeah, I, I, like I think I said this on the Slack, but if it if it had regular, if it had like a standard watch case, and I did, didn't have an integrated bracelet, I think I'd be all over the uh, the black and funky colored one. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's it's not gross or anything. Like I know why they like it. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's a cool looking watch. It's just, it's. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fan of the square case and integrated bracelet look, but. Uh, um, I thought that was kind of a really unique looking watch and I wanted to, I want to like it more. I just, um, I know it's not me. This is one of those watches that if you gave me one of them and I wore it, I'd be like, okay, yeah, this is cool. I was wrong. Right. Yeah, but probably. I, it just, I, I, yeah, I don't know that from looking at it, um, uh, because it's, it's so different. Right. Um, and that's the problem with making stuff that's so different. Right. Yeah, I think there's there's one more out there that I think is kind of interesting, and it's, I think they're starting to get some. Uh, I think they had a they had a questionably sexist uh, ad uh, going around, but it was Arkham Arkham watches. Have you seen that? It's another watch with a stupid uh, integrated bracelet. I have not. Let's let me look it up. Um. Uh, Only Batman stuff comes up when I when I type this in. Hold on, I gotta figure out what what's the name of the brand. Um, Arkin, Arkin watch A R K E N. That is very similar to Arkham. Okay. Yep. Okay, this this looks like a um, what is the name of that company? The the uh, the old company that made the 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 Miura divers, the tiny little Miura. Yeah, this divers. reminds me of a dreadnought. Yeah, it is kind of like that. It's like a little bit more uh, designery dreadnought or a um, Obris Morgan. That's what it reminds me of. Uh, yes, like uh, maybe. Like I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of a funky look. I kind of, you know, there's nothing there that like I would I, I'd be super critical about, other than like my personal pay preference is not for bracelets, but like it's it's kind of a cool look. It looks kind of gnarly and beefy, and they're definitely not uh, um, playing it safe. No, it's it's five hundred bucks and made out of titanium though. Also, with a with micro adjust. So yeah, it's it's. It's kind of a cool look. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to to raccoon paw one of these and see how it's made. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I also like. I have to say that like I appreciate the uh, the use of multicolored loom on this one in in a way because it's it's pretty straightforward as opposed to having like. A weird like you know Tourette's like like I want to put color here and different color here and another color here. It's like oh we just we went for two colors. It's pretty reserved, and it's 
I'd even argue that like you can get rid of either the green loom on the pip or the sweep, but like I like it. Yeah, so it's like the planet ocean. The planet ocean is like that. Yeah. There's a little bit more of the of the contrast color on the planet ocean loom, but it's you know it's this is the way to do it. So we have another thing here. Um, why is it so hard to find a, a good tritium tube watch? I don't know. Um, I think everyone wants a, a steel navigator and uh, <clears throat> marathon. They're just not making. doing it. Yeah, I, I just don't get that either. Like, I would yeah, buy one. Yeah. Like yeah, like if like I keep I keep. I mean, maybe this is my own bullshit, but like I keep going online and just like scouring. Google or eBay or Amazon and being just like, find me or Alibaba as well. Just like trying to find a tritium tube watch. That's not like a blatant, like, um, you know, unbranded or rebranded something else, or like, it's not enormous. Yeah. Everything is like with tritium tubes, these tubes seems to be like 45 millimeters or like something absurd. Which is so disappointing because, yeah. Because why? I don't know. I think it's it's like I think tritium tubes are I don't know like under not underrated but like just underappreciated because like it's just it's pretty cool. You have radioactive like glass jars on your wrist. Like I don't know. It's neat stuff. They're only bad for you if you eat them. Oh. You know? Yeah. Like Tic Tacs. Yeah. Like atomic Tic Tacs. Yes. Atomic Tic Tacs. So we have, uh, we have another thing here. What's finding a replacement for my grandfather's stolen watch? Yeah. Um, I, I think I've been looking on and off for, so like my, I always remember playing with my grandfather's watch and my dad's, nightstand and some point in I don't know, ninth or eighth grade or something our house was broken into the watch disappeared all i remember it was kind of like it was on a uh one of those with speedle flux bracelets it was a steel case silver dial um pretty sure it had a date was that Twistiflex, Spidel Twistiflex. Yeah, but like yeah. it was just like it, it, I think it, I think it had the date, not the day. Um, I'm pretty sure it had uh, you know implied applied indices and whatever. But like I have no idea what the brand was. No one knows what it was. It's just like, um, and I've been trying to f figure out like, oh, maybe like a Hamil an old Hamilton or um, recently been looking at. Uh, the uh, Omega, like DeVille's and Cosmics and stuff like that is a potential, like, this reminds me of my uh, grandfather type thing. Yeah, I think we could make that happen. Like, we just have to find something that's in good condition that we can put a Spidel bracelet on. Yeah, I'm not even, I mean, I don't even care if it's a Spidel bracelet. I just like, like the idea of having like something where it's a nothing too small but i remember like at least in my head like i remember it being big for my wrist when i was little but like um i would rather like try to find something that's at least 36 millimeters so it may not be like 
like a true appropriate time period but yeah it's it's always it's it's been an interesting search because i don't know just i'm in no rush to go out and do it um given the state of the uh collection but like i think that would be a fun adventure to track down and uh you know hold on to it might be a, a fun piece to like i think i i think i'd be of everything that i'd try to hunt down I, I think this would be more uh akin to what i'd call a grail than uh anything else it's just like finding that piece that reminds me of my dad's father yeah he's he's not around for you to ask him i would have to imagine right yeah you know, my, my dad's father now i just i'm not sure i even um i'm pretty sure he died before i, I was even born so um um but yeah it's just um Oh, another exciting thing is I've um, Jordan Ficklin or Fricklin from Cincinnati Watchco is working. Well, he's not there yet, but he's he's servicing my first watch. Oh, cool. which is my uh, Bradley Mickey Mouse uh, mechanical wind uh, that I was given to given by my grandmother when I was five. So um, at some point, I lost the crystal and crown and. Um, managed to not destroy the rest of the watch and um, found a couple other uh, versions of the watch and uh, Jordan's uh, salvaging the needed parts and I'm going to have my Mickey Mouse watch. When you gave him the parts, was he like, huh? No, it was, it was kind of funny because I like it, it, <laughs> it took me a, a couple watchmakers to find before or to go through before I found someone that was willing to work on it. Was he Which like, I thought, was, I thought it was surprising. Was like, it's just like, no one wants to work like, on this like shitty little like, one jewel mechanical movement. Was it, is, it's because they're, they're either not familiar with it or they're scared they're going to break it. Right. Um, it's as I found out from Jordan, it's also that the, uh, the movements are riveted together. Oh, I knew, I knew that. Yeah. There's that. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's a uh, tough to do, but like, I was just like, we'll see, but no, Jordan was a super nice guy about it, and he's, I don't know, I'm excited, excited to get it back and get it uh, in my little watch box. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I look forward, look forward to seeing that. Yeah. And then you'll put it on a time grapher, and when it doesn't keep cost time, you'll be like, why didn't you fix it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nikki's hand is not right. No, not at all. All right. How are we on time? Uh, we're at about an hour. Okay. Yeah. You want to cut it for today? Uh, I keep hour, going hour if you'd like to. We're at an hour and ten. Um, I don't know if now's a good time, but like, I mean, like you, I think you had another good question, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so, I, you know, this this keeps coming up um, over and over. And I was thinking about this um, as I was was doing stuff the past couple of days. Um, why do you think that in our culture, people idolize the military so much? I don't know. It's. So the, the reason why I was thinking about this is because I was in my weird YouTube rabbit hole while I was uh, working and doing code stuff at work, right? Mm -hmm. And 
I saw something with um, some some like uh, interview uh, talk about management with um, Jocko Wil- Willink. I guess that's how yes. you say his name. I know you're talking he's the, about. Yeah, he's a he was the a SEAL Team Three guy, and so it's very strange because people seem to think it's like, well, if you were in special forces, that means that you can tell me how to run a company, which is super bizarre. It's like saying, oh, well. You you graduated from Le Cordon Bleu, so you can tell me how to run a company. And it's like, what? Like, I don't, these, these are completely like unrelated things. I don't understand. I feel like the, you know, you, well, there, I mean, I feel like he would be more capable of telling you how to run a company rather than your typical enlisted man. Yes, that's true. Or, or the, the assumption that that's possible. But it's also like, I don't, I don't feel like it's fair to put any stereotype on a soldier saying like they're dumb, they're, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just like, no, like, it's just like saying like, you know, you can't be a fighter or a boxer and, and be intelligent or have business acumen, et cetera. It, it, it's, I think it, it's part of it's because of Hollywood. Like it's just, just like, so like war movies are a thing. Like people like action. I mean, like, like, why do we, as kids pick up sticks and make guns like just like why do we i don't know like i think there there's something there's some aspect of war that's been tied to this grand adventure and then just like overcoming adversary adversity uh taming your body mind and spirit and you know the camaraderie of getting through something together like i think there's like lots of like really excellent tropes that you could talk about these things are all like seem to be honorable and full of courage and like there's some great stories there that you could and people that have done that you can definitely um idolize that in ways like why that goes beyond that i don't know um you know like i feel like we should idolize teachers more like that put put up with all the shit and poor salaries just like soldiers and you know they're charged with like overcoming adversity and teaching kids in a variety of situations like it's doesn't seem as noble but it's probably more noble in some ways but like i don't know there's something interesting about someone who's willing to lay their life down for a um i don't want to say greater goal but like a goal outside their own um the collective over the individual yes yeah so it's like it's fascinating um and definitely interesting, but like, I, I don't get it. Like, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel the, uh, or I feel like, I feel like the rabid um, militarization of the police and everything else in our country of late is scary in some ways. Um, it's just, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm also I'm also someone who who has a huge passion or excitement about military watches or, you know, so it's kind of it's interesting to figure out, like, you know, it's just like or when I find clothes, I like it's it, a lot of like the uh, you know, jackets and shirts I uh, gravitate towards are like military styled or cut. And it's just like, OK, this is interesting. And maybe it's just 
you know, like was it Hugo Boss who designed the, uh, the you know, the Nazi? Yeah. Uh, it's just like, it's, there's some things that are just classic and like, or it's just these things were, I'll go on a limb here and say well-designed yep. in the sense of just like, okay, these are functional things and they've taken like aesthetics and function and they've paired them up. So maybe they're not, you know, I know there's the, you know, military spec is usually the cheapest uh, to get the job done in some ways, but there's also like some sort of like functional aspect of it. Like these things need to be highly functional to pass that. Maybe they're not the best quality, maybe they're not, but like there's, there's a definite style to them, which is um, appealing. I, I, I am kind of rambling, but I don't have an answer, but like, it's definitely interesting. I'd, I'd love to get other people to weigh in on it and give their opinions. I know we have some, uh, so, uh, more than a few people that have served in the Slack, but like it's, um, I'm curious. So I asked my friend about this, who was a guy who was in the army for 20 years. He's, mm -hmm. a, he's an older, he's an older guy now. And I was like, what? so why, why is this? And um, I said, why do people look to people like Jocko Willink for leadership advice when in running their company, when that, should really be completely unrelated to what his skills and experience are really from like a, you know, a martial skill point of view. And he said that he thinks it's actually because a lot of the exec, the executives of these companies just want to hang out with him because he's interesting. And I was like, Oh, that actually probably has something to do with it. But he also added that um, to a lesser degree, logistics proficiency is something that you need as a soldier, and that is the, mm. the core heart and mind of a lot of companies, such as GM. You know, all the people who in World War II, when they wanted to produce tanks and stuff, they called the people from GM. Interesting. The executives from GM. And it was, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of an interesting, an interesting thing. So maybe there is actually some validity in trying to look into um, military tactics to do production stuff. But it's, it just seems very weird to me that you would want to think of someone who served in a special forces team as being like akin to like Six Sigma, which is like completely wrong in my point of view. It's like, that's not. <laughs> no, that's, I hear you. Yeah, I think the logistics side of it makes sense. It's figuring out how to um, take a team of five, six, 10 people with disparate goals and interests and get them to align and work together in a highly functional way. I can, I can see that. Yeah. Maybe, that, maybe that's just the definition of logistics or maybe it's not, but like, it's just like, I see the idea of like, how do you get people to, or how do you train people to align on a common goal and actually work together as opposed to like, you know, you know, the crap I see in my day to day and in, in, in the corporations that I work for, it's just like, yeah, it's a lot of just like, this is my playground and this is my friends and you're not working on my goals. So you can just fuck off because we're not playing with you. It's just like, that should happen so often. It's just like, this is ridiculous. So I can, I can understand like, just like, you know, getting executives trained on the idea of just like, how do you get people past that? But I definitely, when you brought up the topic, I wasn't thinking about it that way of just like, oh, uh, you know, Jocko and his, uh, it's just like, yeah, like there's people out there that are mentally tough. Like it, it's, it's kind of yeah. cool. It's impressive. It's just, it's, um, 
you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm not the most disciplined person by any means, but like on the days that like I go and do something I didn't want to do, like working out, it's like, oh, like I feel so much better about myself for having overcome. I wouldn't say weakness, but that, that lack of motivation to discipline. Do, yeah, to do something and be like, I'm going to keep moving on this goal. Yeah. And plus, like, it also allows me to prove that I am in better shape than someone 10 years my junior. Hey, CL. Yeah. Poor CL. I knew, I knew that's where this was going. Yeah. So it, it, is, it is funny, though, like the idea of being like, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I can I can shoot a handgun accurately at 50 yards and get a quarter inch grouping. Let me tell you how to run an agile team. And it's like, you know, those that's are not. Me. Yeah, that's not the same at all. Like, what do you mean? No. Yeah. But like, and that, that's the way that uh, that is actually being performed. You know, if not, um, if not, that's the way that they try and sell those consulting services. Because that's what he does. He runs a leadership consulting company, right? But isn't it more about like, like you know, like, okay, like, here's the situation. You have to get X, Y, Z accomplished in a timeline without being seen, killed, or... Um, losing your target, you know, like you need to figure out how to plan out the mission, achieve the goal in a tight time frame, and whatever. Like that to me makes sense from a business standpoint. Like, oh, like that's that's just good, you know, project management in some ways. I mean, if you want to think about it that way, it, it's like you're 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 taking a very tactical uh, look at how do you operationalize your business but like yeah it's not that kind of level of thing so it's like you know if i can't get these um you know these these tickets done in the next two weeks um we're going to have to do you know search evasion rescue and uh, <laughs> you know seer training to be able to escape from the the pm because the pm is going to kill us it's like that's the idea i i mean it is like project management to some degree, but the, just like in regular project management, the project managers don't actually know how to do any of the actual material because they only understand, generally, unfortunately, they only understand the project management stuff and not the subject matter stuff. And that is a but, serious problem. But that's the thing. Most, I'm sorry, but like most project managers that I've worked with have been really shit at staying in their own lane if you will and i don't mean to be like uh, disrespectful but it's just like they get involved in things that they shouldn't be involved where their job should be focused on facilitating the outcome as opposed to like trying to figure out what's going on over here it's like no no no, no. Like, like you need to facilitate the outcome you don't need to weigh your opinion in on anything else it's like no no, no. like figure out how to get bob james and Stacy to to cooperate and collaborate on this short-term goal so everyone else can move on to the next task that's the project manager's goal not being like deciding which one of them is the you know the doing it right or it's their design is the best or whatever whatever it's just like no no like no it, project managers should be focused on like how do you facilitate the proper outcome as opposed to what you're seeing a lot of project managers do 
So how would you know what the proper outcome is, though, without having subject matter expertise inside what the actual thing is that you're trying to accomplish? Well, the project manager shouldn't actually have the outcome. Um, or the project manager should have the outcome told to them and they should be working to achieve it. And if they don't have, they can't solve any of these problems inside the, the team, you escalate it to people that should have some sort of um, knowledge. expertise? Yeah, I mean, it's the, I mean, the, it's the intersection of, was it desirable, viable, and feasible? Like it, it's, there's that triumvirate of like, you want to make sure, like, I mean, to me that just, you need someone actually creating it. You need the person that owns the business and you need the technology person. So it's like, whether you're talking about design or engineering or et cetera, you have the per the business person that understands their market and their user. Um, and then you have the, you know, technology person that knows how to make it happen and whether you're talking, you know, it's just figuring out that overlap is how you get good stuff to happen. Yeah. I mean, that seems reasonable. It's just that normally that's not the way that people actually do it because they think that the PM understands the project. Right. And that, that usually is the way that things get off, off track. No, I mean, like you should be working towards the voice of the customer or the voice of the user or the voice of like something like that's been like researched and understood um, with a, you know, understood outcome. Um, and that person should be trying to facilitate that as opposed to, I don't know, anything else. That's how it should work. But in reality, a lot of the a lot of times the, the staffing and resourcing apparatus is also the same function as the project manager, which is a serious problem, right? Yeah. Because it's not actually a split out project manager role. It's like a manager, right? Yeah. That's, that's why I'm highlighting this as being an issue. No, it's an interesting one. I, I, I feel like, it, I mean, this is something I think it'd be really interesting to get other people to weigh in, um, especially people who have served and have different viewpoints. Like I can talk, shit about the military all day long but i've never been one so i i, I don't have any actual real world experience that i can use here yeah i've i've never served either although i have been a part of bureaucracies so i i can understand but not to the degree that actual like army personnel would understand right yeah yeah that was, that was interesting yeah Oh, I'm still going to wear my, my Mark II Project 300, military provenance or not, because it's fucking awesome. Yes. And it is. Okay. That's the show, guys. Toodles. Good night. Huh?